Welcome to Shofar Ronnebosch Sermon Podcast. We trust that today's message will edify and strengthen your faith. And I just felt that, that the soil was ready already. That, that there was even, so there was around about, what time did we leave? Three o'clock. Like, um, yeah, like three. Um, and I felt like there was somebody then already receiving something from God. Because there's an expectation in the spirit. And uh, what you receive from God depends on your hunger. Amen? It all depends on your hunger. It's got very little to do often with a preacher. It depends on your hunger. And I, I just sense that the Lord is saying that there's, um, there's some hungry people in this place. Some, some thirsty people. And there's some stuff about to shift tonight in the, in the spirit. In actual fact, there's some stuff that has shifted already. Amen. And we're just waiting for that to, to manifest. So, so the Lord loves you, my brother. Yeah, he's got a massive calling on your life. Yeah, you're his warrior. You're like a, a David and a Daniel rolled into one. A man with, with power and with tremendous wisdom. All right, don't, don't let the devil say anything else to you. Okay, it's a great, great destiny upon, upon your life. He loves you so much, my friend. What's your name? Samuel, Sami, yeah, he loves you, man, yeah, he's all over you. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you, God, that <clears throat> you are a good God. We thank you that whilst being in your presence, Lord, we could already just experience you, Lord, and, and I pray now, God, that the spotlight would just be on you, God, on your spirit, upon your word on who you are. We thank you that when you are with us and amongst us, then that anything is possible. God, in your presence, fear gets chased out of our hearts, out of the room. I thank you, Lord, even for just bondages tonight, just, just fleeing this place, God, because of your presence here, the consuming, red-hot intensity of your love. God, I thank you for orphan spirits, Lord, that has no place in this room. God, I thank you for bondages of, of victimhood, Lord, that just gets shattered right now over minds here, God, in the name of Jesus. There's someone here, and, and you, it feels like your, your dad or your uncle was in the military or in police or something, and there was a, it's a deep spirit of hidden anger that, that came with what he, what he did, um, and often that was manifested at home and, and towards you, and you often had to carry the brunt of his, of his pent-up anger, um, but I sense that God is saying that he's just wanting to shift even your, your, your reverse anger, the anger that you are bottling up inside of your heart, that God is wanting to just shift that into streams of mercy. Into, into streams of mercy that is just going to, to flow and bring healing to, to many. And so, Father, I, I just I thank you for those in this room, Lord, who were the victims of, of secret abuse, just secret violent abuse that nobody knew about. And I thank you, Lord, that you just, you, just, you just shift, Lord, something in their hearts right now, God, that you, that you just open yeah, the floodgates of your mercy. As they let go, I just see you standing on the other side of the door, holding onto the door of your heart. 
And someone once said that the door to your heart only has one handle. And that's on the inside. And are you holding on to that handle and the Lord is just wanting you just to just turn it so his mercy can come in. And so God, we thank you for hearts opening up tonight, Lord, and streams of mercy flowing in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. All right. Come on. So tonight I, I want to share with you a, a little prelim to, to convergence coming up. And it's a word that the Lord has just laid on my heart a couple of months ago already. And it's called the sound of the harvest. And I was sort of in two minds whether I should be ministering that over here. Um, and then the venue got shifted to this place. And I'm like, come on, all right? Come on. Show for it, harvest hope, come on. So I believe God is wanting to just speak to you guys a little bit about um, the harvest that's on, on his heart. And, and of course, um, I almost said Major D, Pastor D, all right? He... Um, <coughs> He would have shared this picture with you guys earlier in the year. Let's go to that, um, to that picture. No, yep, that one, right? Remember this? Does it look familiar? Does, do you guys recognize it? All right, a little, some of you, some of you might have seen it. All right, but when um, Pastor D and I, we were in Indonesia earlier in the year, and we went to, to a conference organized there by Jerome Campo. He was here about two years ago with, uh, with Convergence. And just an amazing time that we had in the presence of God amongst um, persecuted believers. So Indonesia is the largest Muslim country in the world. And um, a lot of persecution is taking place within that country towards believers. But what is fascinating and so encouraging is to see how those, those, those young people especially are rising up and taking a stand for the gospel. Not with, with um, militancy, but with meekness and with humility. But they're taking ground and it's amazing. What is fascinating, of course, is that for us here in South Africa, in the Western Cape especially, who's from the Western Cape? Because I know a whole lot of y'all are from all over South Africa and Africa. Who's from the Western Cape? Just like outnumbered, all right? Is there a hand? Is there a hand up high? Is it sort of halfway? Yes, Western Cape. But uh, we've got a, a town called Makassar. Does anybody know where Makassar is? You've heard of Makassar? Who's heard of Makassar? Right, sort of on your way towards Somerset West. Uh, who's heard of Somerset West? All right, okay, that's where I'm from. My beautiful wife, Nikki, was with me tonight as well. Babe, it's good to have you with me. And then uh, our three kids, Jonathan and Annika and Kate, have been raptured. All right, but, uh, but Jonathan is, is here and uh, outside. So it's amazing to have them um, here with me. Oh, there, Kate falls, but she does it often. All right, so the name of the game for Kate is fun. All right, so she just wants to have fun. That's, that's the way that she, that she rolls. She's the little, little one. And um, I distracted myself completely. What was I saying? Before I got distracted by my beautiful wife. What was I? Makassar. All right. <laughs> yes, yes. It's good to be married. All right. Um, and you can find your bride in church, right? It's a good place to find, to find your bride. Yes, it's a good place. Good place. Nothing wrong with uh, coming to church looking for a wife. The Lord uses all our motivations and He, he turns it around. Okay. Um, but Makassar, right? So, so Indonesia, Makassar, how do the two come together? So um, this, this little town, Makassar, was actually founded by an Indonesian prince, uh, a slave who was exported by the Dutch East Indian Company way back in the 1600s. And he was in rebellion to the, to, the, to the Dutch because they also colonized Indonesia. 
and then they exiled him to South Africa. And then he came and he established this town called Makassar. And actually he brought the religion of Islam to South Africa. Right? And so us going there to Indonesia was amazing to see how the Christians are rising up and how God is busy just really um, turning the tide in such a powerful way. But the way they do it is through love. The way they do it is through forgiveness. The way they do it is through uh, coffee and friendship. So they've got these coffee shops that they start all over the place. You know, like when you go into Africa, we were up in Burundi a couple of months ago. And wherever you go, there's always there's this, this guy that has a cell phone shop. You know, and he's always either from India or Pakistan or, or somewhere like in the weirdest place. He, he's got a cell phone shop and the guys are everywhere. And through that, they're actually busy spreading the religion of Islam as well. But these Indonesian Christians are turning it around. They're starting coffee shops all over the place. But then the upper room is actually an upper room where they're praying. And so while people are drinking coffee downstairs, other people are praying for them upstairs. And they're just so amazing. And, and I was so encouraged by the way they, in the spirit, they militant. And they, they take the gospel into the atmosphere. But in the natural, they're loving and they turn the other cheek. And it's amazing. And often we as believers, we get it wrong, don't we? We are militant in the, in the natural and passive in the spirit. Uh, militant in the natural and passive in the spirit. And it should be the other way around. We should be militant in the spirit and gentle in the natural. All right? Because if you fight your battle in the spirit, you don't need to react in the flesh. But if you haven't fought it in the spirit, then you are going to react in the flesh. And then it's going to lead to death. But in any case, so we were there and we are having an amazing time. And then this one guy from, um, from the, the U.S., he shared this, this picture with Reno and myself. And, and you can have a look at it there. But right, sort of right in the middle, you'll see, uh, you, you'll see the shofar. You see it? There's a shofar right there in the middle. Right, and then there's some notes there, or a note right at the top. And you'll see Africa down there, this massive tsunami wave hitting Africa. Um, and just the wave of salvation hitting Africa. You see the nations gathering and coming together. And you'll see there the golden lampstand on the right-hand side speaking about the anointing of God. And then you have the lion of the tribe of Judah roaring over Africa. All right? And so, so that picture started just resonating in my heart because towards the end of last year, God started speaking to me about the sound of the harvest. That God is about to release a sound over us. A sound that has the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah wrapped up inside of it, but also a new sound that we prophetically need to declare. That God loves Africa. And that God is going to save Africa. In actual fact, God is busy saving Africa. Not just going to do it one day. He's busy with it right now. But we have to blow the shofar. We have to agree with what God is saying. Because that is the power He has given us. He has given us the power of agreement. And so when we speak about doing heart encounter and doing all of those things, it's simply about aligning your life and your thoughts and your words with what God is saying over you. That's the power of agreement because God is saying one thing over your life. He's saying that you are loved. He's saying you're more than a conqueror. He's, he's saying that you have been chosen by Him. But your inner dialogue very often is at odds with what God is saying. Your inner dialogue is, I'm not accepted, I'm not welcomed, I'm a mistake, I shouldn't have been born, I'm not going to make it. That's your inner dialogue. And you've got to bring that inner dialogue into agreement with the Word of God. Amen? You've got to agree with what God is saying. And so that's why blowing the shofar is such a powerfully prophetic act. Now, it's, it's not so much as blowing the physical instrument that helps, who has a shofar? Anybody have a shofar? You should invest in a shofar, right? Get yourself a shofar and blow that thing. Because it is, it is powerful in that it activates something inside of you. 
right? It's, it's like us dancing. You can, of course, dance and rejoice inwardly, right? Some people do that, all right? They, they're happy, they're ecstatic, they're jubilant, but it's deep, all right? It's like you've got to, you've got to look for it, it's, but, but it's there, right? But, it, but if you give expression to it, the more you do it, the more your joy increases, isn't it so? Sometimes you, you enter into the presence of God and your studies don't agree with it, your finances don't agree with it, but you know that God has got joy in store for you. You know He's wanting to lift you up to the next level. And as you start rejoicing, as you start opening your mouth, you start raising your hands, you start moving your feet, all of a sudden you break through. And then you don't have to do it in faith, you are actually doing it. And sometimes blowing the shofar is an act like that. You just start blowing it in faith. You just start singing in the Spirit in faith. You just start declaring things in faith. Then eventually, those things become second nature to you. And blowing the shofar is all about living prophetically. And what does it mean? It means that as you guys have gathered here tonight, you are a prophetic community. You're a community of people coming together from different backgrounds and languages and all sorts of different things that normally would divide people. You are coming together as a faith community and you are living prophetically. What does it mean? You are giving the world a glimpse of what heaven will look like. Living prophetically is giving the world a glimpse of the heart of the Father. So, so, so prophecy very often has got very little to do with thus saith the Lord and all of those wonderful convoluted high words we use. It's got everything to do with what is the heart of God and reflecting that. Sometimes you have to speak it, sometimes you have to paint it, sometimes you have to dance it, sometimes you have to beat the drum prophetically, but most often, we've got to live it. We've got to live it. And so I believe that God has called us as shofar to be a prophetic community, to showcase to this world what is possible when love is king, to showcase to the world what is possible if it's not about us. It's not about my name, it's not about my contribution, it's not even about Shofar's name, it's about Christ being King of Kings and Lord of Lords right in the middle of our entire existence, and He determines the direction of our lives. Wow, well, what would be possible if Jesus is truly worshipped as King? And it's not about my dreams, it's not about my agenda, it's not about my career, my wife, my family, it's about His purpose, and everything else flows out of that. And so we had an interesting experience at the pastor summit. Um, we, we came together as pastors from all over South Africa and uh, Burundi and Namibia and uh, Holland. Guys were there and it was amazing to have all the pastors together. And right in the middle of this, this, this summit, we were wanting to blow the shofar. So we had a brand new shofar there. And we were wanting to blow this thing and then first guy tried and nothing came out. The, the, I got the best shofar blowers in the movement together and the next one tried it just got red in the face nothing came out there was no sound coming out because the thing hasn't been opened yet properly so it was blocked so it's an awkward moment you're like we shofar we should have a working shofar in our midst i mean come on you know what's what's going on here and then in that moment uh, liana slipped out quickly and she and she came back and she gave me this painting can you just hand me that, that painting brother But someone that they met last year started working on this beautiful painting. And now whether you guys can see, but this is a, a painting of a shofar. And there is a beautiful stream of oil flowing through this thing. And, and before we started blowing the shofar, tried to blow it, God was actually giving prophetic words and saying that He is giving us a new sound. 
and he's dunking the shofar in these big containers of oil. That is the word that somebody brought. Right? And then we've got the shofar there that we were used to trying to blow the thing. There's no noise coming out. And then Liana slips out and she comes back with this. Right? And she didn't know the prophetic words that would come out. She didn't know about the shofar that wouldn't be working. But God is saying to us that he's giving us fresh oil. He's not wanting us to get stuck on the past. That he's got a new anointing for us. A new sound that he's wanting to release through us. And that's what I want to come in. Thanks, guys. You can put it there again. That's what I wanted to come and declare over you guys that God is wanting to release a new sound. Just hand me that little um, sheet lying there. Because this is the prophetic word that I want you to, to listen to as I will get into reading a couple of scriptures with you. And, and the person that, that made this painting, there was somebody else that was praying for us as a church movement. And, and this is the word they got. I saw an attack of the enemy against the sound that would be released from this place, speaking of shofar. Right? So I saw an attack of the enemy against the sound. Right? What is the devil after? He, he comes for your money. Right? He does that. He comes for your relationships. He does that. He comes for your health. He does that. He would steal your bike or your car, your computer or your phone. He comes against you on a whole lot of different levels. But what is he after? What is he wanting to to steal from. He's wanting to steal your faith, isn't he? He's wanting to steal your faith. And then we know that if you lose your faith, what do you do? What's one of the first signs that you have lost your faith or you're in the process maybe or withdrawing from your faith? It is that you start growing quiet. You start growing quiet. You, you, you stop declaring. You stop saying. You stop agreeing because you are being intimidated by your circumstances all around you. So when the devil comes after your money, he's not so much after your money. He's after the sound of faith. He's after the sound of faith. In the midst of your desperate financial circumstances, you can say, I will praise him because he's greater. He's greater than my challenges, greater than anything that I'm facing right now. So a few weeks ago, my, my dad had his, his um, he went to the ATM, he was wanting to, to sponsor somebody else for a camp, right? So he's going out to do a good deed, right? So he's going out, puts his card into the ATM, the card doesn't want to work, all right? So he steps away to phone the fraud line, he comes back, and his entire account has been cleared out, all right? Thousands of rand, gone, right? Good deed, being obedient to God, the devil comes in there. All right, so now I get the message and I'm, I'm worked up. I'm, I'm like, yes, man, this sucks. You know? So I phoned my dad. We checked through a few details. Next day, I went to visit him. And he says, I've decided long time ago that the devil can take my money, but he won't take my joy. Right? I said, come on. Right? My dad is like this. He's turning turned 76, 7 yesterday. Right? He's a short guy. But he's a giant in the faith. I look up to the man, you know. <laughs> if I can be half the man that he is, I would be like a very good man. I'd be so happy. I would die a happy man. Why? Because he has risen above his circumstances. He has determined my faith will not be determined by my bank balance. My faith will not be determined by why the devil has done to me. I will rise above it. There's a sound that the devil tried to steal from him, which he couldn't. Okay, so the attack comes against the sound, and then this is what the guy says, but that sound or that attack is broken, and it left because you prophesied. Just like Ezekiel prophesied to the dry bones, and they started living. There's some dry bones in this place. And the power to see those dry bones revive doesn't lie in my mouth, it lies in your mouth. 
There's some dry bones that you are confronting. There's some dry bones that you are walking into in your, in your, in your hostel, that you're walking into in your family when you go back home. You need the breath of God inside of you. Well, let me rephrase that. You've got the breath of God inside of you. If you are born again by the Spirit of God, He lives inside of you. It's not oxygen that's keeping you alive. It's the breath of God that's keeping you alive. That's why you are a living soul, because God breathed into you. You're not just a, some flesh and bone that's taking up valuable space in this world. You are a living, breathing temple of the Most High God. And so when there are dry bones in your circumstances, some of you guys studying education or economics or engineering, you're going to be confronted with dry bones. You're going to be confronted with circumstances that seem to be contrary to life and to the Word of God. Then you, you can't like phone Pastor D. You're like hotline to Pastor, Pastor D, what am, I, what am I going to do now? You've got to prophesy over those things. You've got to prophesy over it. Because there's a spirit of life inside of you. And we're going to be releasing some life in a, in a couple of mon moments over some of you. And it says, be encouraged to continue to prophesy. The Lord asked him, can these bones live? The Lord asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? And he released God's word into the atmosphere and prophesied to the breath. And then life came where there was no life. I also saw the man with a withered hand that stretched out his hand. And when the world stretches out their hand and reveal their sickness, their shame, and their hurt, do what Jesus did. He healed with a word. To some, he just said, be made whole, and they were made whole. Be encouraged to continue releasing words of restoration. This will also not be a place, listen to this, guys. This will also not be a place where just one sound will be heard or just one person will be heard. It will be a place where many will have a voice. Many will have a voice. A sound will come forth from this place. Many will have a sound. Yes, all of you have a sound to be released where you move. Also in the workplace, where you move, also in the music and the arts. In Psalm 92 verse 10 says, But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. Take the fresh oil, the fresh touch. So we're going to be anointing some of you tonight. Take the fresh oil, the fresh touch. A reminder that we are anointed to go around and to do good and to deliver those who are oppressed by the enemy. To have our youth renewed like the eagles. Who, who have some people in their lives who are oppressed by the enemy? I know some in my own life. That I know are oppressed by the devil and I know that I can't set them free. My energy, my determination can't do it. I need fresh oil. I need that yoke-destroying anointing from God. The, the state of our nation is in such a big mess. Brilliant thoughts and brilliant minds will not be able to figure it out. We need an anointing from God. We need an anointing from God to turn the tide around. And that anointing lies wrapped up not in the pastors, not in the guys standing on the pulpits. It lies wrapped up in you. Where you are working, where you are living, that's where that anointing is. And for some of you, you've got to come, you've got to clear out the shofar tonight. You've got to say to God, God, I'm going to blow my shofar. I'm going to live my life boldly the way that you want me to live it. So Psalm 126, verse, verse 5 to 6. Let me read a few verses for you very quickly. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. So, so remember, we're talking about the sound of the harvest as we're building up to, to convergence. We're going to come together. We're going to converge. And I'm trusting God that in the build-up to convergence and, and during convergence, our ears will be opened up and we will hear the sound clearly. But the sound of the harvest 
starts with the sound of intercession. It starts with the sound of intercession. And this verse speaks about the people of God rejoicing. The first few verses there says, We were like those who dream when God brought back the captivity of Zion. This is the, the people returning back from Zion. God answered their prayers. We were like those who dreamt. You know, Martin Luther King, remember, I have a dream. He, he saw something amazing even before it happened. How many of you guys are dreaming about your families? How many of you guys are dreaming about the environments in which you are studying right now? I pray that if there are teachers in this room, engineers in this room, uh, uh, lawyers and whatever sphere you are studying in, I pray to God that you are not just studying that for a salary. You're not just studying that because you are wanting to prove somebody wrong that said that you will never be able to make a success of your life. I pray and I hope and I trust that you are studying because you saw something. That you are studying because you are pursuing a dream. You are studying because you believe that God is calling you into His dream. It's one thing having your own dream, isn't it? It's something completely different seeing God's dream over your life. Having your eyes open, seeing His dream and saying, Father, thank you for inviting me into your dream. Inviting me into your dream. I'll, I'll never forget, I was, I was in, in grade 12 and I, I was confronted with a, a massive period of disillusionment in my life. It's like Matthew, grew up in church. And, and so, uh, I don't know, Matthew, whether you backslid early on, but I backslid when I was about five years old. Gave my life to the Lord when I was three, five years old. I backslid, had a radical encounter with a wooden spoon from my mom. Came back to the Lord immediately. I never backslid since because the fear of my mother fell on me. And uh, man, she took me into the bathroom, into the place of deliverance. It was there, was, there was gnashing of teeth, wailing. It was, it was a deep, a deep place. It was a deep place. Yes. So I grew up, I grew up in church. And, and it was amazing for me to, to, be, to understand that as incredible as my family background is, my dad was a minister, it was still my choice. I still had to follow God. I still had to choose God. And I was three years old when I had my dream. My dad told me the story about, about uh, um, uh, Solomon coming to God and, 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 and God, having this God encounter. And God says to him, Solomon, what do you want? And he says, I want wisdom. You can have everything. You can have the silver and the gold, all the riches. And he says, I want wisdom. And my dad told me that story. And I remember going to bed that night and having that dream so vividly where God appeared to me and, and said the same thing to me. What do you want? I said, I want wisdom. And I woke up, I still woke up my dad. I remember I had a blue, um, almost said apron. Kamarias, what's a Kamarias? You will know what's a Kamarias, eh? What's the interpretation? I'm going to have to pray in tongues first. <laughs> it's not an apron, man. What's a, what's a gown, sleeping gown? Yeah, a little blue sleeping gown with a white rabbit ear on the side. I remember that. And I went to wake up my dad. I was like, Dad, I had this dream and this is what I, this is what I feel. Saying, you know, just... I felt God appearing to me and saying to me, what do I want? I want wisdom. And he says, the greatest act of wisdom is to dedicate your life to Jesus. Dedicate your life to Jesus. Everything else flows out of that. Three years old, I remember that dream. And I remember it carrying me through tough times. 
having to be alone at school and feeling like I've fallen off the ark because nobody else loves Jesus and I'm choosing to go to church and I'm not doing all the stuff that all the other guys are doing. I try to. I try to smoke one day and God used my unsaved friend and he said to me, Heinrich, if you start smoking, I'm going to beat the living out of you. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, come on, man, just leave me alone. I just want to sin and, you know, just like leave me alone. And God used my unsaved friend. To keep me on the straight and narrow. And that was my life. Why? Because I said, God, I surrender to you. And I wasn't the cleverest guy at school. I, I wasn't the guy that, you know, everything came easily for. But all through my life, I was able to make wise decisions. Wise decisions that enabled me to have life flowing into me and through me. Why? That was born from a dream that I had. Three years old, that dream still stays with me to this day. When I was asked to, in a bit years ago, to lead this church family, we were in a slight bit of bother. Most of you won't know about it, but we were on the verge almost of splitting in a thousand different pieces. And, and they asked me to become the leader of our church family, and I was like, God, I need wisdom. And I went back to that dream I had when I was three years old. And I was 41 years old when it came to pass when... All the preparation from three years old up until that moment where God was busy building wisdom into my life. Why? Because I took his dream seriously. And I had a dad who had wisdom to help me to interpret my dream. It's not about the academics. It's not about all those great and wonderful things and all your achievements that did come. It was never about that. It was about not are you clever, are you wise? Are you wise? Do you have wisdom? And wisdom is taking the Bible school material that you have and applying it in life. There's so many people who have a thousand degrees, but they don't have any idea as to how to do life, how to apply those things. And I feel in my heart that God is, is raising up a generation. That generation is in this room whom God is blessing with tremendous wisdom. Wisdom to know what should we do as a generation. Why have we been born for this time? Why are, we, why are we alive right now? Why are the challenges facing us right now? Where are the solutions to the orphan crisis in our country? Where are the solution to the thousands of, tens of thousands of women and children being trafficked in our country? Where's the solution to the, to the hundreds of people dying on a monthly basis on the Cape Flats? Where are the solutions? It lies within the body of Christ. It lies wrapped up in the wisdom of God. And he's wanting to release that wisdom through you. But I want to urge you, don't just study for a degree. Don't just study to get a qualification. Live for a dream. Live for a dream. Trust God to ignite your imagination, to see something. To see something. It's going to lead us. Oh, that the sound of the urn? Or is it rain? It's not rain, eh? I think it's the, the urn going there at the back. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. All right? There's, there was something that was happening here in the sound of intercession. When we, we gather in a room like this tonight, we had wonderful sounds of worship and all of us singing. And those sounds are amazing. But you know, there's a sound that, that changes the atmosphere. And that is when we allow our hearts to, to break for what breaks God's heart. And we allow the, 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 the choir to start speaking to us. And we, and we allow him to start impacting us. And then something happens. He says, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. 
often we, we, we substitute joy and happiness. And we settle for happiness instead of for joy. Instead of going for joy, we go for happiness. And happiness is all sorts of shortcuts. I go on Facebook, I post something, somebody likes it, I feel happy. You know, I eat my chocolate cake, I feel happy. I go into the internet, I watch what I want to watch, I feel happy. Whatever it is that, that makes you feel happy for that, for that moment. But, but joy, there's, there's normally no shortcuts to joy. Joy has, 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 has a strength that, that, that has the ability to dig deep in moments of, of barrenness, moments of turmoil. A resilience inside of you. Our nation needs resilient people who won't run away at the first opportunity when opposition comes against us, but we're able to dig deep. How do you cultivate that? You cultivate that by allowing God to set your priorities. When was the last time that your heart broke for the suffering and the pain around you? You know, one of the keys, I believe, into a life of authority is to allow your pain to be the key into God's compassion. Your pain to be the key into God's compassion. In other words, that if there are areas in your life where the devil has come against you to hurt you and to wound you, and I say that over and over again, that pain normally is the key into God's compassion. So if you have, if you have been suffering in an area of your life, turn that thing around. Say, God, I've been, I've been rejected. I feel like I'm being overlooked. I go, go to places and parties and stuff. Nobody speaks to me. Or I go to church. Nobody notices me. I'm just using that as an example. God wants to use your, your feeling of rejection, turn it around and stir compassion in you for the people around you suffering from the same thing. You start praying for the lonely. You start praying for those who, who look happy on the outside, but you know on the inside they feel so alone. You start praying for them, and all of a sudden you start picking up on them. You walk into a room and the Holy Spirit says to you, speak to so-and-so. Go over to that guy. Chat to him. Why? Because you have shifted your focus away from your own feeling of rejection and you're allowing the compassion of God to flow through you. Some of you have gone through mind-boggling, mind-bending stuff. And it's wanting to cripple you. It is the key into the compassion of God flooding through you, not just to individuals, but to families and to communities. The question is just, will you open up your shofar for that healing anointing to flow through you? Or will you allow your pain to be a bottleneck? Or will you bring that pain to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to turn the door. Use this to release your compassion. So those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. And it's an amazing promise God gives us, but it says that if you go out weeping, and the, the, the images of the, the farmer going out to sow seed, and when we were in Burundi, it was demonstrated so powerfully to me how, how often those farmers have to, to decide, I only have a little bit of seed. What am I going to do with the seed? Am, am, I, am I going to sow it, or am I, am I going to eat it? Am, am, am I going to use this to, to feed my family, or am I going to use this to sow it? So, so what does it mean? It means that if we want to see revival coming, if we want to see the joy of the harvest coming in, then you have to take a risk. You have to take a risk to go to heart encounter. You have to take a risk to, maybe if you've gone to heart encounter, to start facilitating heart encounter. 
You have to take a risk. If you don't risk, there's no reward that can come. Saints, don't play it safe. Don't play it safe. Right? Don't, don't sit with your bag full of, of seed and just keep it all to yourself. Sow it. Sow it. Some of you have received so much from God. I felt as I was preparing for this, and there's some of you, and you feel like you've got nothing in your bag. That is a lie from the devil. You've got something in your bag to sow into somebody else's life. I remember when I was um, still single, just came out of a devastating relationship that really broke me in a few, in a few ways. And I was tempted to, to just park there and just stay there. You know, my life started, started changing when I started to pray for my friends who were engaged. You know, the temptation was to be like all cross. Like, he has the beautiful girl. And I can hear, and my heart was broken. God, why are you so unfair? Then if anybody was ever tempted, you stand in faith for something, the thing crashes and your brother gets it. Has anybody ever seen, yeah, thank you, uh, honest hand there at the back. Right? Like, you praying and then the angel misses you, delivers the parcel somewhere else. It's just like, come on. Then you can become bitter. You can say this faith thing isn't for you, or you can rejoice with it, brother. Say, Father, I thank you for his beautiful wife that you've given him. Bless him with an amazing wedding, Jesus. May, may, just, may people come to salvation. They bless him with an incredible honeymoon. Just God, an amazing place to stay. I'm like, I'm going to go the full Monty here. I'm just going to go bigger and higher for him. Why? Because I'm sowing seed. I'm sowing seed. I'm looking what's in my bag. And saying, I'm using my disappointment and I'm going to channel it. I'm sowing seed. Baby, we're in the Just the stand. <laughs> Look what I reaped. <laughs> eh? Eh? Come on. Come on. Come on. Eh? <laughs> so. <laughs> Sound of love. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> okay. So, guys. So, if you want a happy marriage, sow into somebody else's. Right? Some of you are wanting God to trust you with major resources. Start sowing financially. Right? Into somebody else's life. Right? So, the sound of intercession isn't just a passive prayer. It's one thing being locked up in a prayer room, and, and that's amazing, guys. And we're going to have prayer rooms all over our country. And you, you, you guys should go to, come to this place. We've got a prayer room here. Come and pray. There's an incredible prayer movement rising all across the globe where people are praying 24-7. They're shifting things in the atmosphere. But the most powerful prayers are the prayers lived. The most powerful prayers are the prayers lived. Not just the prayers prayed, but the prayers lived. Uh, I love what one guy said. He, he said, be prepared to be the answer to your prayer. Be prepared to be the answer to your prayer. Right? And, and I believe that there's some, there are answers sitting here. But there's a subtle shift that's needed away from, oh, God, do this to God, do this through me. God, do this through me. We will be their generation. Guys, you as the millennials, you are an incredible generation. Why? Because you are sick and tired of dead religion. 
You are sick and tired of empty promises. You don't just want to live for temporal material things. You want to lay your life down for something. Right? And that's why there's this, this passion inside of it that sometimes spills over into impatience and all of it. Why? Because God has wired you to shift something. To fix the, right, the wrongs of the past. To fix it. To build a legacy for the future. So that your descendants can one day look back at this generation and say, we are blessed because of them. You can do it. But you can also miss it if you remain passive. Right? And God is inviting you. He's inviting you. I saw the run sheet somewhere that said I must be finished by, what time, Matthew? Six? More or less, all right. More, more than less. <laughs> all right. So intercessors, awake, all right? Pray for convergence. Pray for us. Pray for those around you. But especially pray in the area where you've been hurt. All right, use it as your key. Use it as your key because, because there's something where you've been hurt Man, I hate racial injustice. I hate it. I smell it. I hate it. All right? And I come after that thing. Right? But not in the flesh. Yes, you come after that thing in the flesh. What does the flesh do? The flesh leads to death. There's no other result for the flesh. You try and fix something in the flesh and through your own emotion, your own anger, you just make a bigger mess. You've got to get into the opposite spirit. The opposite spirit. You've got an opposite spirit. I remember getting my first bike and almost being driven over by a car. And this guy just stopped and he just cast me out from the side. From one like, song we sang from the south to the north and the east and the west. It was just like, you know, like, I was going like, <laughs> you know. All the racial slurs you can, you can think of. I was nine or ten. You know, my, my, my temptation there was to allow that root of, of bitterness to get in there. I had to get right in there. But you know what? I had a dad, who, and I saw how he handled injustice. I saw how he refused never to grow bitter. I saw how he refused not to speak negatively about people whom he had every right to speak negatively about. Didn't speak a negative word about people who oppressed and persecuted him. Kept his heart soft and imparted something into me. A strength to forgive. A strength to remain in that place where, where you are not being moved by other people's emotions. You're not like a wave being tossed around because you're solidly anchored in the cross. Our country needs people who are anchored in the cross of Jesus. We can get into the opposite spirit. We can go into the spirit of love, a spirit of forgiveness, a spirit of humility. And people think that humility is the easy thing. It's not the easy thing. Okay? To keep your tongue. To listen. Not give somebody a piece of your mind to understand before wanting to be understood. It takes, it takes courage and takes strength. And what happens? You gain authority in the spirit. And people are having conversations here on this level. You're having another conversation. You're shifting things in a, on another level. And then God opens a door for you. You can speak into somebody's life. And you can say, man, I believe God is saying this. And they listen. Why? Because God has opened the door for you. I think back to that moment very often where the guy came, it's an Afrikaans-speaking white guy, he came and he spoke those things over my life. And I think to myself, would I have been able to lead a predominantly Afrikaans-speaking white movement if I had allowed bitterness in my heart? Imagine God gives me that power and I'm an angry man. Hey? What power and authority is God wanting to invest into your hands?
the tests that you are going through now, not just the academic test that you are writing, but the test for your heart and your attitude and your spirit will determine whether God one day can take that atomic bomb of authority and put it in your hands and say, I'm trusting you with this gift. Some of you guys, you, you've got you've to let go of your anger because the anointing upon your life is so powerful. If you continue down your road of anger, you're going to cause great damage to yourself and to your loved ones. But God is wanting you to be a channel, a channel that's not going to be limited to this country only, but to the countries of Africa and the world. I just want to pray quickly. Can you close your eyes? Father, I thank you for those in this room that you have called God to travel to different places, Lord. And I just have this picture of this plane that's been prepared. It's full of cargo. It's filled with so much provision. So much provision. And it's on its way to this famished land where everyone is desperately looking forward to come. But at the same time, there's a sticking time bomb on this plane. And, 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 the, and the pilot is actually unaware just of, of the time bomb. And then, and then he, he gets the message, there's a bomb on the plane. And, he, and he, he starts to look around for it, but the bomb is actually in his own heart. And I, and I just feel that God is saying that He's prepared planes in, this, in the Spirit for some of you guys. Provision. Things that are going to shift. Destinies. But there's this time bomb just of the attitude of your heart. Just, just a wound that came in there. And you, you're hiding it very nicely behind even a lot of spiritual stuff and sometimes you're even unaware of it it's not like it's at the forefront of your thoughts but it's there nonetheless and, and I believe that God is just wanting you to to allow him to heal that part of your heart he's wanting to heal that he's wanting you to let go of the anger Father I pray right now that through your Holy Spirit that you will show your saints God this place where the time bomb is I believe it's not like you're not going to go to heaven it's just it's, it's the plane of your destiny someone here and you were laid in you are so angry at men and God is wanting to just come and heal your your heart and he's wanting to say to you just look to him the only pure, blameless man who ever lived. We look to him and he will come and heal your heart. He will heal your heart and he, and he will, I believe God has called you even to be a, a mother to boys. I believe he's going to give you your own physical children as well, but he's also called you to like three or four, looks like organizations or, or houses that, that he has called you to, to mother. But you have, you have to, you just have to give this anger towards men to God. Somebody else in this, in this place, and I just, I just sense that God has called you to, to weave this tapestry, this, this beautiful, it's like a, a multicolored blanket, but beautiful, with all sorts of jewels and beautiful diamonds and precious stones woven into it. 
It's like a blanket that's thrown out over, over a vast geographical area. I says that God is saying that your family is scattered all over the place. But, he, but He's given you the authority to, to just throw a cloak of mercy over them. A cloak of mercy over them. A cloak of how they will protect them and cover them through the mercy that you will extend towards them. So, Father, I thank you for that cloak of mercy, God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for that this place carries with it a very unique sound. A sound, Lord, that you've placed here. A sound, Lord, that you're wanting to release. I, I pray for those, Lord, whose, whose pain has become a bottleneck for the anointing, God, that you've placed upon their lives. God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you release that now. You open that up right now, God. That you open that up right now in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. I want us to stand quickly. Isaiah 9 verse 3 says that, Lord, you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. And they rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest as they are glad when they divide the spoil. The sound of the house, the sound of praise that you carry as a congregation. It's a sound that you carry. There was a moment when we were singing and the band was a little bit quiet. And you guys were singing. I believe the Lord is saying to you, this is not a band thing. It's something that you carry in the spirit as a congregation. But some of you need to harness that as you go back into the places where you live work, where you study, where you stay. You've got to take that sound with you. It's a sound of joy that God is wanting to release over you, but it's a sound that comes when you say, God, I want to divide the spoil. The picture he uses here is of a victorious army coming back. They vanquish the enemy and they come back with spoil. Some of you have got to trust God to go back into your area of pain. You've got to say, I don't just want to survive in that area. I want to flourish. I want to flourish in that area. If my family has a legacy of bankruptcy, I want to flourish. God, I'm trusting you that, that you're going to pour out an entrepreneurial anointing upon my life. And I'm going to start things for your kingdom. I want to flourish. I want to raise up others around me, God, who see them go further than I have. If you come from a background where you didn't have the best school, and you had to struggle to get through school, say, God, I want to see young people be launched into their destinies. I want you to use my finances. I want to buy them books and tablets. And when you visit a friend of mine in this week, he started his own school. He says, I refuse just to sit around and see things happen. I want to make a difference. The answers to our country lies in this room. Father, I pray for the warriors in this room, God. Those whom you have called to divide the spoil. Lord, to look at their circumstances, to look even, Lord, at areas of defeat. Areas, God, where the enemy has been clapping them silly for a long time and intimidating them, Lord, that, that they will arise inside of their spirits, Lord, a spirit of boldness to say that I refuse to have time stolen from me. I refuse to have the world determine my agenda. Lord, I come against purposelessness, Lord God. I come against, Lord God, empty living, simply just chasing after 
what the world has to offer. And I thank you that you release, Lord God, a sense of destiny. Lord, over your people here tonight, I thank you for fresh oil. Fresh oil and a renewing anointing, God, upon these young people in this room. In the name of Jesus, Lord, that you will release them through this place. Father, thank you for Sammy, Lord. I'm just drawn to him. I thank you, God, that you have placed, Lord God, inside of him, Lord God, such a prophetic anointing, Lord. And I feel that you're saying that it's for this church, God, to go around, not just looking at how blessed can I be and how is God going to sort me out, but to have a prophetic eyesight, to see the Davids around them to anoint them, to believe in them. I believe that God is saying that He has placed in this, in this room interpreter of dreams. There are two groups here that God is wanting to just pour out a fresh anointing. The one is God is wanting to pour out an anointing upon you to dream like Joseph, to have dreams, to have dreams, to have God dreams. And right now your sleep is all messed up. Right now you are struggling to sleep. Right now there's a whole lot of demonic interference in your, in your dreams. But, but I believe that God is going to shift it even tonight. And that in this week you're going to start dreaming dreams. But you've got to say to God, God, I'm giving you the battlefield of my mind. I'm consecrating my mind to you, God. I want you to speak to me through my dreams. And some of you are going to have dreams with your eyes wide open. You're going to be in a classroom and the professor will be speaking. Respectfully, sometimes the biggest load of hogwash. You're going to get a dream beyond what he's saying. You're going to get a dream. And God is going to paint it so brightly in your spirit, in your heart, that it's going to burn inside of you. I just want to release something in the spirits. I'm going to pray in tongues just for a few seconds. If you desire your thoughts, your understanding, just to be anointed by God's Spirit to enable you to dream His dreams for your life, for our nation, for the nation that you come from, just put your hand on your head. Just a son saying, God, I'm giving you my imagination. The name of Jesus, I take authority over the vultures that have come to steal dreams that have come to steal destiny, that have come to steal thoughts of creativity and thoughts of divine order. And I take authority over you in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for this picture you've shown me of these vultures just with their talents in the minds of your people. And I thank you, God, that we can ask you, Lion of the tribe of Judah, for you to roar in the Spirit right now, for that sound to go out right now in Jesus' name. And the minds of God's people are being set free. In Jesus' name, to dream God's dreams, to dream dreams that will carry them not just two years, three years through their studies, but 15 years, 20 years, 50 years from now. Those dreams will carry them. Those dreams will gain deeper depth of meaning and greater dimensions, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you for the Josephs in this room, Lord. Thank you, Father. I thank you for the other group. In this room, Lord, who will be those who will be interpreting dreams. Those who will come alongside those who are dreaming and say, this is, this is what I feel God is saying. 
I see, I see, I see you as, as those who come with the, the color pen. And somebody else dreams a dream and it's like just an outline. And you come and you fill in the colors. You fill in the colors. And you don't feel like a dreamer, but, but God says that you are. He's given you the power to interpret dreams. I feel that that, it, that is especially for the quiet ones. A few of you in this room, and you're not the most vocal. You sometimes feel there's something wrong with you. God says, I've given you the ability to interpret, to listen to dreams around you, and to put things in place to see those dreams come to reality. Thank you, Father. God, I come against the spirit of intimidation. While our eyes are closed, if, if you feel that that word is speaking to you, just raise your hand there where you are. I'm going to pray. Pray for you. Just raise it up nicely. You don't have to be ashamed. Thank you, God. Lord, I thank you for my quiet brothers in this room. And sisters, Lord, the observers, the observers, those who sometimes feel a little bit out of place amongst all the creatives and amongst all the spiritual. But I thank you, Lord, that you have called them. You've called them, God. I see you just coming alongside those who have bags full of seed. While they're so busy sowing, they don't notice the holes in the bag. And you come, you see the holes. And you mend those holes. So God, I bless. I bless the observers, Lord, those who will listen. While others are speaking and singing, they will listen. And I thank you, Lord, that you bring such a beautiful harmony between the two in this room. In Jesus' name beautiful harmony between the two not in conflict with one another I sense that the God is going to use you guys prophetically also to demonstrate to the world how different gifts can work together can be in such harmony be so selfless in loving each other and respecting each other I thank you Lord for the power of unity the power of unity Lord in this room amongst this group thank you Father for the high places that will fall God, as these your people stand up and as they move in unity, in the name of Jesus, I, I, just, I just feel it might take us a while, but we're going to be quick. I just want to pray for those of you that feel you need a renewing. You need a renewing. It's not as if you're backslidden. It's not as if you, 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 you've lost sight of God, but it's just as if you've just been maintaining a little bit, just stepped away from the dream a little bit. You just started to play it safe a little bit. And God, I just wanted to pour out it. Just a fresh anointing upon you. Say, just go for gold. Just trust God for the impossible. Don't allow anybody to steal your dream. Don't allow anybody to steal your ability to imagine things that aren't even yet existing. Don't allow anybody to do that. My wife and I, we want to pray for you. We want to, we want to anoint you quickly. So ladies, if you can come to my left, guys to my right. We want to just quickly anoint you. 